Welcome to the first episode of our podcast, The Grief Brief. We're Dallas and Sam, and both of our moms are dead. Grief is a weird and complicated emotion, and there aren't that many spaces to talk honestly about it, so we decided to make a podcast. In this episode, we will talk more about why we did this, who we are, and some of the lessons that we've learned about grief along the way. We're here to laugh with you, cry with you, and listen to you as we all try to navigate life while experiencing grief. So I think this is something that um, you and I have always said that we wanted to do together in the sense of connecting to other people that relate to grief. So I think we're hoping to kind of just be an outlet for people to... uh, Just for people to have a place to hear things that are relatable and real and not kind of romanticized or or even just like taboo like the taboo essence of just people not talking about it so this is a place for even if it's just you and me here (laughs) um, we have this as kind of our outlet of some people just don't get it and hopefully this creates some sort of content for people to just know they're not alone because people can be assholes about grief um yes they can and other people can be really really great so i hope that this is a place where people can feel like that's it's normal that not everyone's against them and that they also have people with them that have gone through very similar things. Yeah, definitely. And um, from my own experience, and I know a lot of other people who have experienced grief have mentioned to me that the most amazing and most supportive people that they've known in their life when it comes to their grief have been other people who have experienced grief. So yeah, we wanted to make this place for people who might not have that individual in their life uh, that they know personally, but maybe through this like crazy chain word of mouth, they find out about us and they listen to us and they listen to our jokes about grief and our stories and the many people that we might have on to talk from a clinical perspective or otherwise about grief. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we hope to touch on a a few different perspectives and, and conversations relating to grief. I think a few that we've just tossed around here and there is different coping skills, people to relate to, (laughs) what to and what not to say to someone who is grieving, and a a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah, we're planning currently on having different people come in and talk from, you know, varying perspectives. So we have, we both lost our mother, so we have that perspective, but we are going to try to have somebody who lost a friend, grandparents, um, a brother or sister, any kind of close relationship where you'd be really deeply impacted by grief so that we can kind of hit most of the demographic possibly (laughs) people that might be listening to us. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, we all experience grief at some point or another in our lives. And unfortunately, some people experience it a lot sooner in life than others. So yeah, I I think I also kind of want to emphasize on the fact that 
like this doesn't have to be so serious. It's okay to to laugh and to have fun. Not, you know, not necessarily like laughing about grief, but in this sense, like it's okay to carry on and have fun with life. And it's okay to be happy, even though the people that you love may not be here anymore. And I think for you and I, we you we really use humor as a way of coping. Yeah. And yeah. I want that to be just known that that about you and I, that's our personalities. And that's kind of what we've turned to in, in grief. Yeah, definitely. That's how we cope with a lot of our stuff. <laughs> Do you want to start off with fun facts about yourself or do you want to start with like a small introduction about who you are what's important to you yeah i'll i'll do like a dallas in 20 seconds okay thing for people who don't know our moms are sisters they are i believe the second and third youngest i think right your mom is the third youngest my mom was number nine yes yeah so our moms are the second and third youngest of 11 kids Wait, we just let's just give people a minute to process that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 11, we yeah. said 11. 11 kids. Of those 11 kids, nine are girls. Of those nine girls, I believe five of them were diagnosed with breast cancer at least once in their life. And mm-hmm. of those five, three have died. And we are one of the lucky ones in that <laughs> our moms are one of those three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so my mom passed away when I was a senior in high school. I was 17 years old. She was first diagnosed when she was 31. I was like two. I don't really remember anything about that, but she relapsed when I was in high school. And I think I was, it was like the end of my sophomore year when she relapsed. And then uh, a year and a half later, she, she died. And I have had a really funny and complicated and messy journey with my grief and I think that my my relationship with my grief and my journey is part of the reason why I personally wanted to do this it's you know there's no real cookie cutter way to deal with this Um, and I've met so many different people in my life and in these past 10 years that have reacted to grief and handled grief in a completely different way than I have including my family members and that seeing that and not really having that understanding that grief is not is not something one size fits all yeah it's not um and like knowing not really having a deep understanding that it's not one size fits all and seeing everybody else be able to process it in whatever way was very isolating and it was very invalidating and when i got to seven years or whatever after my mom had passed away and i was still feeling these symptoms and still feeling these emotions I was like, wait a minute, like, what's wrong with me? What's going on? Why do I still feel this way? It's been X amount of time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm here right now. I <laughs> am trying to help the my fellow downtrodden, um, the people who have just kind of been kicked time and time again by grief. And, you know, but with personal background, I'm I'm currently an attorney, so I don't have any clinical experience with grief. All of my all of my experience is just personal and you know what I've been through since my mom passed away. So yeah, I will bring <laughs> I will try in this journey of our podcast to be as candid, open, and hilarious as I possibly can be. Because sometimes you just I think you just have to laugh at it. 
yeah. uh, it sucks and it's sad and it's the hardest thing I think that I've ever really had to deal with, but sometimes you just got to laugh. Absolutely. I agree with that for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so like you mentioned, our moms were sisters, one of the nine. My mom was number nine out of the 11, so they were on the younger end of the of the group. So my mom was first diagnosed when she was 35. And my mom is, well, was a year, she was a year older than your mom, I think, right? 63? My mom was 64. 63. I don't know. 63? Yeah, then she was a year older. My mom was 64. (laughs) Really? Yeah. 10 to 64. (laughs) (laughs) I always get confused. She's September. Of 63 then, because she, okay. yeah, she was almost exactly a year older than my mom. Okay. All right. Okay. So yeah, so my mom was first diagnosed at 35 and I was just under probably five years old. So like Dallas said, I don't really have much memories of her being first diagnosed and it was first diagnosed with, with breast cancer. Um, I think within the year she had beat it or she went into remission and, and it went away um, and then a few years later, came back again. This, te- this time it um, metastasized and spread to her lungs and her bones. At this point, I was, I think I was in elementary school going into middle school, where again, she went under radiation and chemo. And within, I guess, a year or something, I don't really remember the, the whole specifics. I was so young. Um, went into remission again. And then for a third time, it came back when I was in eighth grade going into high school um, and it came back as brain cancer. So pretty much my whole high school career, she was battling brain cancer and she ended up passing away when I was a senior, I was 18. Uh, She passed away in March. And uh, so right before my graduation, really, So with those life experiences, we, you know, I had witnessed you lose your mom just a few years before my mom. And I was so lucky to have you, to have someone to turn to and kind of just know what to expect, where for someone like you, you didn't have anyone to really turn to. You were the first one to go through it all. Yeah, lucky uh, me. <laughs> so I was I the think, guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the guinea pig of mom loss. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so it was it's it was it was and it still is so awesome to have someone like you in my life to turn to as like not always not like. I mean, yeah, you're older than me, like an older sister, but just like a mentor, like a friend to turn to. And like when someone says some dumb shit, like I can turn to you and be like, <laughs> do you like get bad when someone like brings up their mom or is it just me? Like, am I overreacting? And you're like, no, validation is key. You are not wrong. People are dumb. Spoiler alert. She's never wrong. It's never wrong. <laughs> and I always get mad. I'm the most dramatic and like easily upset person ever. <laughs> like somebody's like, oh my God, I'm so pissed at my mom. And I'm like, at least your mom's still alive. Like I'm Yeah, like so that. <laughs> if you ever need validation, turn to Dallas and she will give it to you. 
long story short even if it's like totally like not you're totally in the wrong but like they probably deserved it they (laughs) (laughs) i don't care they probably deserved it so so anyway um like i said my mom passed away when i was 18 and growing up you know I, i I mean, at that point I was going to college and still had no idea what the fuck I was doing with my life, suffered from a lot of panic attacks, anxiety, depression, um, that whole mental health twist that comes in that no one really prepares you for, that, that whole part of grief. And I think at, at 18 and being so young, no one taught me in school what grief is and how the fuck it's going to hit me. Yeah. Um, so with that, I kind of you know, as much as I had you, I also felt alone. My dad was grieving. He was doing his own thing and I was grieving. I was doing my own thing. And that's when I was in school and I learned a lot about mental health. I was a psychology major and one day just happened to stumble upon social work and I fell in love, applied to grad school, got in and was like, fuck yeah, this is what I'm doing with my life. So from there, I became a clinician. And so with that being said, that's, that's kind of, I want to be able to bring in that clinical point of view in talking about grief and normalizing it and letting go or trying to break down that stigma, that taboo of grief. So yeah, I, I kind of touch base with grief and loss a lot within my day-to-day job, but I also obviously have this huge personal experience with it. Um, So I think together we bring a really special just pair to, to the table. We bring a special amount of knowledge and experience. So, so yeah. Yeah. And we bring a really unique perspective in that we have both shared in each other's loss. We, you know, my mom passed away. That was her, her aunt passed away. Her mom passed away. My, my godmother passed away. We, Mm -hmm. when we lost our, um, so my mom was the yeah. first her mom was the second and then our other aunt passed away uh, I think a less than after. a year after yeah. after your mom did and it was like 11 months later she passed yeah away. and we were able to share in that grief as well so I think we have a very special and unique kind of relationship where it's not just like we're not just cousins and we're not just like mm-hmm. cousins who happen to be really close we share in a lot of these experiences and we have this kind of closeness and this relationship that I don't think we have with any of our other cousins yeah. because they as much as we love them all and as close as we all are as we all are right. um, it, they just don't have that that experience, experience. that we have yeah um, not Absolutely. to say they're not great though. They're they're like a really awesome support system and there's Hell so yeah. many of them. <laughs> there's Shout like, out to the Pinkham clan. Yeah, there's like 30 yeah. of them. There's, <laughs> there's 30 of them and then I have like another 25 on my dad's side. <laughs> yeah. You know, God bless our our, our yeah. grandmother, our nanny who I don't know, man, raised 11 kids. Let's get into coping a little bit. So like okay. how how cool. did you cope I'm interested in hearing how you coped you know at first when you first experienced the loss versus how you cope now and kind of how you've gotten from point a to point b yeah I'm I'm actually really happy you phrased it that way because I definitely cope very differently now than I did uh when I first 
you know, started experiencing grief. Um, I think at first I, I was really in denial. Um, I pushed everything away and kind of just engaged in risky behavior. Um, and I mean, that could be brought up as like some typical teenage behavior at the same time too. Um, but I definitely gave less fucks than (laughs) a typical 18 year old. So I think throwing in the mix of losing your mom at 18, kind of just like, let's amp this shit up. Like how reckless can you get? (laughs) Destruction. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) I definitely did not do great things for myself. Um, And I wasn't open about it. I was very closed off. Um, I wouldn't, I think I just like would cry to myself. I didn't want to ask people for help. Um, my dad set me up with a, with a psychologist. I lied my whole way through it. And that was <laughs> honestly, when my mom first passed away, I went to this therapist for, for two months and she could see my right through me. She knew that I was lying to her every time, but I would go there and just sit in silence And she would ask me questions and I would just be like, I literally don't want to be here. I think I was so in denial of how I was actually feeling because I mean, like I said earlier, I was having panic attacks. I couldn't get out of my car. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't go to school. I was so not okay, but refused to see it. So yeah, at first that, that the anxiety was so crippling that I would use substances, I would drink, I would smoke. And that was my way of ignoring reality and having fun. So that was obviously not great. Um, And then through the years, obviously I've been, being a clinician now, I've learned a lot of different ways, different ways to cope. Um, So, I think now the most helpful thing that I do to cope is I like to refer to it, refer to it as my social battery. If my social battery is running low, I know that I want to isolate. I feel sad. I feel less energized and I will need to tend to my own needs. Maybe that means even practicing some self-care, doing a skincare routine, uh, doing my hair, taking a nap, I don't know, anything like that. But I will also like push myself to hang out with friends too, instead of isolating. So it really depends on my social battery. If my battery is fully charged, then I can hang out with people. If it's a little low, then mm, I need to be alone for a little while. Yeah. Uh, recharge, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what about you? What, what are, what was your evolution of self uh, not self-care coping um so I think mine looked probably very similar to yours so my mom passed away in October of my senior year so I still had the rest of my senior year to get through before I went before I went away to college um and I went away to University of Maryland so I went away I didn't stay at home but when my mom died in October you know I Honestly, the only thing I, the only way I could think of to refer to it is as like 
being on a roller coaster that just won't stop. I just, I just felt like I just kept going and I felt like the minute that I stopped, I was going to crash. So I just really, I tried really, really hard to just keep moving and not think about it and not, not address it at all. Mm -hmm. I feel like the rest of my senior year was just kind of a blur. I don't, the only memory that really stands out to me is like, very seriously considering burning my house down on New Year's Eve because I, you know, my dad had my house built for my mom and Mm -hmm. he, well, the house wasn't, we bought the house, but like he had it renovated to be what my mom wanted it to be. So when she died, I was like, you know, she was the good one of us. Like the rest of us are awful. Like, why should we get to live in this like beautiful house that was designed just for her? Why should we reap the benefits of this if she can't? Um, because we don't, we don't deserve that. So I fought with myself outside sitting by my garage in the freezing cold on New Year's Eve. Yeah. I hear a lot of, a lot of guilt in there. Um, so I think that's something important to also highlight for other people to relate and say like, guilt is normal. Yeah. Especially in a huge loss. Yeah. It's a very real and a very valid response to loss. Like they don't really talk about it as it pertains to losses that are like kind of out of control, out of your control, like cancer or something, they tend to, I think professionals tend to frame it more in a, in the context of like being caught in like a catastrophe and surviving when other peoples have died and, you know, labeling that survivor's guilt um, Mm -hmm. and feeling guilty for having survived something that other people didn't. But that guilt is still like, it's a very big part of grieving and feeling guilty for being alive, feeling guilty for having fun, feeling guilty for continuing to live and moving on. Um, It's very real and it's a very, it kind of hinders your, I guess, coping process. It hinders that in your progress. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that guilt is probably, has probably framed a lot of my attitude for the next couple of years absolutely because uh, much like you when when I did go to way to go away to college I don't think I told anyone my mom was dead until like maybe my second semester only one person I went to college with knew my mom was dead mm-hmm. everyone else I I I, I told yeah. them that she was at home like I told them she was an accountant I referred to her in the present tense as if she was still there and I, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that person. When I went away to school, I was like, all right, cool. In high school, everyone treated me from October to May, June, everyone treated me like the girl whose mom died. But if I go away to college and I go to University of Maryland, which is three states away, nobody's going to know me and nobody's going to know me as the girl whose mom died. I'm just going to be that girl that lives in that room who's named after the Cowboys. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And for a while, I oh, was that's a cool name. Yeah, after a while, I was known as the girl named after the Cowboys. <laughs> um, but then, eventually, it just got to the point where I just couldn't. I couldn't keep it a secret anymore, mm-hmm. and I became once again the girl whose mom died. And I think after that, I just got really angry um, because not only was I kind of trying to outrun my past. I was very angry at people's response to finding out that my mom was dead. Like they were hurt and offended that I didn't say that to them from the outset. And 
I think that's also like a really big um, theme with grief is other people feeling entitled to your grief and other people feeling Mm. entitled to share in that grief with you and feeling entitled to the story and stuff like that. And I lost like, I mean, there weren't really my friends. I didn't really like them, but, but like they stopped liking me after I told them like hey look like sorry I lied to you my mom's been dead since last October (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) my bad (laughs) um I actually think it came up because I had her necklace I had a Joanne necklace Mm. and I wore it one day and this girl asked me why I was wearing a necklace that said Joanne she was like isn't your name Dallas and I was like (laughs) I couldn't what's it to you huh yeah I was young then so I couldn't come up with a witty comeback just yet um I was like no it's my mom's name and she was like why do you have your mom's necklace I was like because she's dead she doesn't need it like it was just it would just be at the bottom of a coffin right now what do you want me to oh, do with geez. it <laughs> all right we're getting grim let's do it <laughs> so yeah so I just got really angry that other people were like feeling that entitlement to my grief and I think once I realized that that's how people were going to react to it and then realizing that like kind of drawing the dots and connecting that to the way that that people treated me in high school. I was like, all right, I need to cut everybody out now. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody to know anything about me. So I was just, all the friendships and relationships I had were really, really superficial. Um, I had a boyfriend, my freshman and into my sophomore year, who was great and as supportive as he could have been, but he just didn't understand. Um, So I would try not to talk about it because I also just didn't like talking about it and when people would try to bring it up or when I would feel stressed out I would just not even try another outlet I would just turn straight to alcohol straight I would go straight to drinking like not even like uh maybe I should sit and think about it no there was no pause nothing I just went straight there yeah um and I was like this is fine this is healthy like I'm I'm fine. Like I'm not crying. Like I'm okay. As long as I'm not crying, I'm okay. And you know, it wasn't until I eventually transferred schools and actually started going to therapy that I realized that almost every single way that I had to cope with the loss was really unhealthy and it was very damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was, if it wasn't the alcohol, it was like just really promiscuous behavior and like not to be like super, I don't know how graphic we want to get with this, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would just sleep with anybody and I would drink I anything. did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, anything to kind of get some sort of attention, but yes. not attention in the way that people give it to you. Cause it's a different kind of attention. Yeah. It's, I don't want to be the girl that her mom died. I want to be, it sucks to be the girl whose mom died. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be like that that hot girl in the bar that who, whose name I you don't know that's what that's who I wanted to be I didn't want to be the girl yeah. whose mom died um, so so yeah it took me like five really like five years to figure out that that attitude and that way of coping was super unhealthy and now now I feel I feel a lot more open about it and I feel more comfortable talking about it mm-hmm. with people and I feel more um I guess self-assured knowing that my 
you know, my feelings and my grief and being upset about certain things, it's not invalid. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a normal, normal part of grief. I still go to therapy. I've been in and out of therapy since my junior, my second junior year after I transferred. And I, you know, I have like kind of like a mental checklist of things I say to myself when I really start to feel panicked um, Mm -hmm. in those times where the grief just feels too overwhelming. And uh, like those days where you just feel like you really just want to die. I have like kind of now after all this experience with therapy, I have like a mental checklist I go through of things that I say to myself that are calming and, you know, validating and kind of dismissive of those bad voices Mm -hmm. uh, in my head. So other than that, like I'll, I have a ukulele, I'll play ukulele a little bit. I'm really bad at it, but I try. I think that's all that matters. That is all that matters. (laughs) I'll try to find my cat and like force affection on her. That's fun (laughs) for me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I I think I also want to throw in there for coping, um, like having people that you can turn to. I know that you and I, we have family members um, that we could always turn to, especially some of our other cousins who have also lived this loss. I I think we both know that we can always turn to them and that we have certain people in our family that we feel we can turn to, you know, I can call them at Mm 4am, let them know, like, I am upset today. I'm so (laughs) sad. Help me. And having a bad day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I think it's also important to kind of have friends that aren't completely, you know, in the family, but, are like family. I have a group of best friends that literally have been best friends with them since second grade. And they are definitely very helpful um, because I know that my loss was their loss too. Uh, they yeah. lived, they lived that with me. Um, and then I also, I'm not trying to, you know, pump my own horn, like toot my own horn <laughs> or anything, but like, I also have a really great group of friends that I went to grad school with. So they have that that clinical experience, they have that clinical knowledge and way of thinking that they are always validating. They are always, uh, they always know how to answer me when I come to them with a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, relating, revolving around any kind of grief, um, always validating, always give me the support that I need. So it's, it's really important for me in my, in my um, journey in grief is having these two different friend groups that I know that I always have some sort of support. Yeah. And I think it might be hard. And I know that it was hard for me in the past to maintain relationship with people who knew my mom. I had a bunch of friends that I had been friends with since we had moved to where my father currently lives. And I kind of just, I I feel like it kind of just walked away from them after my mom died. I, I didn't, I didn't want to be reminded. Like I said, I was on that roller coaster. I was going and whenever that roller coaster stopped in my mind, it was going to be at a place where I wasn't grieving anymore and I wasn't sad anymore. So I didn't want to have a relationship with anybody who reminded me of my mom. However, I'm very lucky in that I have been forced into a bunch of friendships from birth. with, you know, the Pigros people, you know, my, my dad's two best friends and who were, 
whose wives were also like my mom's two best friends. Um, and I have their kids who are very willing to talk to me about my mom. They love talking about my mom. They don't, they don't shut, tell me to shut up when I talk about my mom or when I reminisce or if I'm feeling nostalgic, they're, they're very supportive and they, you know, I know that with them, my, my loss was definitely also their loss because, you know, the pig roast, our little pig roast community was so weird in that it was like a little commune, like this like co-parenting commune, but like all their parents were all of our parents. I think maybe you need to explain what you mean by like referring to this group of people as the oh, pig roast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so my dad started playing uh, in a softball league in Central Park before I was born there he met this guy and he became really good friends with him and um i think this other guy that my dad grew up with also joined that league i'm not i'm not very clear on how that relationship started between the two other guys but um the three of them became really close and they were close with a couple other guys who were on the team and every year the one guy and his wife would throw a pig roast, which was ah. it's exactly what it sounds. It's a literal pig roast where they would literally roast a pig. Roast a pig. Every 4th of July. So after, you know, the guy and his wife had kids and my parents started having kids, you know, they would just bring their kids there and it would be this like really fun three-day weekend where we would just be everybody's children. I had six parents <laughs> on those weekends and I had five brothers and sisters and six parents. Uh, or six brothers and sisters and six parents mm -hmm. on those weekends. And I, you know, we all grew up together and it was like that every 4th of July. And then as we got older, we would go on vacation together. And now, you know, the youngest one is my best friend. She's the maid of honor at my wedding. So we've all stayed very close and we all talk, not, at, not like super often, like we don't talk all the time, but like we're still close. We still hang out. We still try to spend time together. We still talk to each other. As of like last year, the oldest daughter of the couple who usually threw the pig roast has started throwing pig roast of her own on the 4th of July. Unfortunately, this year due to COVID, um, I didn't yeah. go, but, but yeah, so it's a, you know, it's been a continuing tradition. And so, yeah, so I grew up with these people. These people knew my mom very well, probably better that a lot of people knew her. Yeah. Um, and like I said, my mom was very close with the two guys' wives. So the six of them were really just like really best friends. Like they were just really good friends. Um, and they did like everything together. So we, you know, myself and my brother and all their kids were all forced to do everything together also. Um, so I'm lucky that I have like kind of a, a third family, if you will, yeah. Um, of people who are always willing to talk with me about my mom and always willing to listen to me about my mom and they're always willing to help out when I need it. So I don't know what I could have done to push them away. I don't think that there's yeah. really much that I could have done to, to get them to leave me alone. But uh but yeah, I'm I'm very lucky to have them. And I know Nicole, who's my best friend. After my mom passed away, she like we were. I remember we were talking, and she was like, "Well, what do you want?" And I was being an asshole because that's what I did. That was my way of dealing with people. After my mom passed away, I was just a dick to everybody, mm -hmm. um, and I was just like, "I want a unicorn." Um, and she went out and bought me one of those like those horses on the stick, the horse head on the stick yeah. that like little kids ride on. But it was a unicorn. I still have it in my closet at my dad's house. Nice. So so yeah, I have like a really awesome support system. Yeah. Um, 
even if I didn't have, you know, you and the rest of our wild family, I would still have right. them to fall back on. So I'm lucky. And I, I, you know, seeing that and still, still noticing how, how isolated and how alone I have felt throughout mm-hmm. this process, I cannot imagine going through this and not having that support system. Absolutely. I agree. I think having that support system is really, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to do it without a support system. Um, I don't think I would have either. Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll switch gears here and we'll talk a little bit about dealing with people who don't understand grief. They're the worst. (laughs) They're the worst. I can't fault them for it. Like, I understand why Britney shaved her head in 2007. <laughs> I get it. I like, like every time they talk, I want to be like, oh, sweet summer child. No, <laughs> just shut up. Uh, and I feel bad for, I don't hate them. I'll be clear. I don't hate them. It's coming from ignorance. And it just, I, I get it. But at the same time, like, why don't you get me? Yeah, like, why do I have to do all this work to understand you and how to talk to you because you don't understand, but you Uh, won't. Yeah, and I think that's, like, another good thing that we can do here is, like, give maybe somebody who might be interested in learning how to actually talk to somebody who's grieving without looking like an asshole because everything that you instinctually want to say to them is going to make you look like an asshole. Yeah. Hands down. Well, I could give... um a tip on something that I tell myself this every single day. Uh, You know, obviously I work with a lot of different people, people coming from all different walks of life. And I think this is even just good sound advice to follow in everyday situations. So I tell myself this all the time. Not everyone thinks and views the world the same way that I do. And it takes a lot of reminding myself that because it's so easy to get caught up in, well, why would you do that? Or like, what what makes you think that's the right thing to do? Or I don't know, something happens and I'm like, well, I don't even think of that. So sometimes I have to constantly remind myself that everyone thinks and views the world in a different lens. And I have to accept that because I can't change other people. I only have control over myself, but I can't control what other people think, do, say, anything, what they wear. The only thing that I can do is choose how I react to these other people or to these situations. So if I can train myself and and walk through acceptance and remember that it's okay, not everyone thinks and views the world the same way that I do. It helps me kind of take a step back and not get so angry or not feel so reactive. But, but yeah, so that's, and, and that's something that I, I really preach to my clients a lot too. Practicing some acceptance in the, in the sense that you lived a different experience than other people and they just don't know and they just don't view the situation the same way that you do. 
Yeah. And that's a, I think that's like a super hard, even, even notwithstanding grief and people's experience with grief, that's like a super hard thing to do just on a general level. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I'm always, I'm constantly like angry at people for just like, like I, I know Put it's your blinker unf- on, put your blinker <laughs> on. <laughs> I will go in a full rage. I live in the city. I don't have a car, but I get what you're saying. But I, I like kind of live in this state of anger with people, unfair anger, just mm-hmm. assuming that my mom's alive just because I'm 28 years old. Or like, do they just assume my mom's mm. alive and fine? And I feel guilty about it, about being so frustrated by that. But I'm like, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I had somebody, I told them my fiance proposed last year. And he proposed with my mom's ring and they asked me, they were like, oh, your mom was willing to give him her ring. Mm. That was so nice of her. And I was mm. like, she didn't actually have a say in anything. She doesn't wear the ring. She's dead. Oh God. How did they react to that? Yeah. <laughs> Just the typical blank stare, stutter. Uh, okay. And then like walk away. Um, I live <laughs> for making people uncomfortable because I'm constantly in a state of discomfort. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's a way to do it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think um, that's one way that you can deal with someone that doesn't understand grief. But I think, I don't know how to say it, like, in the sense of not being too hard on people if they don't know. Um, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of practice to not snap to not point fingers to not say rude and awful things to people of like what the fuck is wrong with you why would you say that but they simply just might not know and they might not know how to react I and I honestly experience this a lot working with clients I work with a lot of teenagers and this is all part of them learning they're learning these social skills they don't always know or how would they know that my mom is dead? And it, yeah. I had to learn that patience. I had to learn how to communicate with people and not snap at them. Like, for example, this, this past Mother's Day, one of my clients flat out said to me, oh, are you going to go see your mom this weekend? And I literally, it took me like <laughs> what felt like five minutes It was probably more of like three seconds, but it took me like, you know, that episode of SpongeBob where like, he's going through all the filing cabinets. What's his name? What's his name? His name? What's his name? (laughs) Where's my my mom? All all the brain cells in my brain were like, how the fuck do I respond to this? What do I say? What do I say? What do I say? What's the answer? Where's the answer? Where is the answer? And then I was just like, Yep, going to my dad's this weekend for Mother's Day. Uh huh. Yeah, I had no idea what to say. I just, <laughs> and for some reason, whatever, that was a good enough answer for her where she didn't press for any more questions. But uh, I don't know, man. It's sometimes I just don't know what to say um, on my end. But it, again, referring back to it, takes that time to learn the patience and know how to respond to someone that doesn't understand or doesn't know um every bone in my body wants to be like my mom's dead why would you ask that but at the same time like I, how could I expect them to know I can't assume them to know yeah yeah and 
That's fair. I try to be good. (laughs) Or I have recently. I think also part of dealing with people who don't really understand grief is having the experience of dealing with people who don't understand grief. And it's also being at a point in your own process with your grief and your own journey with Mm. your grief where you feel comfortable enough. Great point. um, Expressing, you know, whatever you want to say in a way that's not really confrontational or sarcastic. And this is just based off of my own experience. Again, you know, when I went through college, I was like, avoid, avoid, avoid. And then once people found out, I would just make jokes and I would be snarky and I would be Mm -hmm. sarcastic. And, and I I wasn't, it wasn't fair. It's not fair. Uh, But now I've gotten to a place where I feel much more secure in myself and the way I can handle and cope with my grief where I can just be like no I'm not going to see my mom on Mother's Day you know my mom passed away a couple years ago but I'm gonna do this instead to honor her because I think that that's like a little bit nicer of a way to kind Mm -hmm. of segue into talking about it without sounding like a dick Um, and just being like yeah I'm answering your question and also letting you know that this is probably not a question you want to ask me in the future. <laughs> Maybe this is like, this is like hazardous area. We don't go here unless you want to feel uncomfortable with me. Yeah. Like I have my law school roommate used to slip and say your mom jokes all the time. So oh I'd just be like. Oh my God. I would throw a fit when <laughs> I someone like, would, I would literally turn and be like, my mom's fucking dead. And yeah, the whole I, would stop. I would be like, jokes on you. My mom's dead. Um, and he'd be like, damn it, Dallas, why do you have to go there? Why do you it's like, well, why do you have to keep making the joke? Yeah. Keep forgetting. Which just like goes back to like trying to trying to understand that this is not normal, right? This um us being in our in our late twenties and having for the past ten years in my situation, for us to be in our late twenties having been doing this for up to 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm it's weird. It's not normal. It, this is not something that people encounter on a day-to-day basis. And people have no idea. They have no fucking idea how to, how to handle it. And yeah, um, like you kind of hit it right on the head before when you said, you know, they, you don't learn about this in school. You don't learn about this anywhere. People don't tell you what grief looks like and they don't tell you at the very least how to approach it when somebody else is going through it. Cause if we're being honest here, like, of the reason that we started this is because there is no one way to deal with grief. And it's such a complicated process, like so, so complicated. So when you're watching someone go through it, it's like, how can you not just be like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. I don't know what to do. I've never experienced this before in my life. I don't know what to say to her. Mom's dead. I, I can't even fathom a universe where that's a reality for me. So I, you got me. I, I agree. I agree <laughs> in every essence of that. So I think this is another thing to bring up in this kind of conversation of dealing with people who don't understand grief is talking about things that maybe you shouldn't say to someone who's grieving. So maybe like what are some of the most ridiculous things that people have ever mentioned to you while grieving? So since my mom died of cancer, it's usually like, well, she's not in pain anymore. Oh my God. Bitch. 
Well, yeah, because she's dead. She's dead. Of course she's not in pain anymore. <laughs> Shut up. I'd rather her be in pain and be with me. I don't yeah. care if that's selfish, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to be selfish here. This is, a, this is a judgment-free zone. I'm going to be selfish as shit. She should be in pain here. And yeah, that's really that's a really awful thing to say about somebody who had cancer. But like, come on. I'm 20, I'm 10, I'm 28 years old. I'm planning a wedding without my mom. I don't give a fuck if she doesn't have, she's not in pain anymore. She should be in pain right now. Emotional pain from how much she misses me because I'm in that emotional pain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so one of the most ridiculous things that I've heard is she's in a better place. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> do you want me to put you in a, better place is that where you want to go because (laughs) i don't think i want to be there i don't think she wanted to be there i also don't want her to be there so that doesn't make me feel better like saying that doesn't make me feel better also like saying that is like very i think like presumptuous as far as like religious beliefs or whatever the your belief in an afterlife might be like what if you believe in reincarnation what if she's a fucking like an ant right now is she really in a better place she'll live for <laughs> why like, would 10 you days. pick an ant why would I, you pick I, an I, ant I don't, what else am i gonna pick maybe she's like a like a a squid or something somewhere like in the deep of the ocean or like a sloth bear at the national zoo or bear sloth you have quite the imagination maybe. i would like to picture my mom as like some like fat ass black bear somewhere that just like shit up yeah that's how i would imagine her being in a better place somewhere Mm. where she can't get shot by poachers or maybe an elephant i don't know she liked elephants and elephants are kind of badass in like a really cute way (sighs) Ooh, another good one is um i guess this kind of ties into like religious stuff but like hmm, if god didn't need her she she would be here Ugh, spare me oh god god sends his toughest angels to fight his toughest wars oh my god cry me what? a fucking river <laughs> i'm gonna the worst all over the you. worst <laughs> or or okay another good one so okay this isn't to belittle other people's grief but let's say like Oh, I just told someone, oh, my mom passed away. And they're like, oh my God, I know how you feel. My 99-year-old grandfather just died three months ago. Oh, I want to punch a mirror just hearing you say that. I've had um, people say, um, oh my God, that must be so hard. Like we had to put our dog down last year (laughs) and I just like can't deal. I'm like... (laughs) You can just compare my, my human Save mother to your different. dog. Did you just compare my mother to your dog? The woman who, who birthed me, who pushed me out of her womb to your dog? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I put down a dog before and I put down a cat and it is has been one of the most upsetting experiences in my entire life. But wow, that's just like totally lacking awareness. Yeah, it's um, it's nice that you feel like you want to try to relate but if you can't actually relate maybe just try shutting the fuck up hey good piece of advice thank you thank you Ooh, how about this one how about this one ready cheer up you're so strong 
suck a dick. Well, gee, thanks there, Carol. <laughs> Didn't think of that one. I'll just stop being sad. Thanks. If you really wanted to be happy, you would be happy. No shit. It was that easy this whole time. <laughs> God, I'm an asshole. Thank you so much. God. <laughs> Thank uh, you so much. Peace and love. You tell man. the chemicals in my brain that reacted to the trauma to go back to the way they were before. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Why did I think of that? While I'm at it, why don't I just turn back time? Ah, oh, wow. <sighs> Um, I also have gotten in a not so aggressive way as I'm about to make it sound, but uh, like more or less, like it's been 10 years. Why are you still upset? Mm. Uh, Sorry. I'm sorry that my grief is uncomfortable with whatever your idea of grief should look like. I'm sorry. I don't fit into whatever, what you think that this should all be. Uh, And sorry, you're experiencing life milestones for the first time. Like, you know how to handle these things already. Yeah. Duh. I, duh. But, duh. <laughs> people don't, people don't lose their moms until they're, like, in their 50s. Yeah. And you're going to tell me to not still be phased by something that happened when I was 17 years old, when I was, like, not even mature enough to, like, really do anything for myself and all of a sudden my whole life is uprooted and you're gonna tell me that my being upset about that is inappropriate Mm. oh who the heck knows man like i don't know she's always with you (laughs) that's funny Uh, how do you know how do you know do you see her because please tell me do you have special glasses where can i buy them on a scale from one to ten, that is like a thousand the creepiest thing people say to me about my mom. Because I'm like, <laughs> all right, like I do a lot of things that I don't know that I want her to see or True. watch. I True. don't know that I want her. I don't know that I want her there. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really think it. <laughs> there's actually, there's an episode of, um, I think it's called like Pen15 or it's like Penis. But like yeah. the show is like, there, there's an That's episode yeah there's an episode where the girl is like she's masturbating for the first time and then like her her mom makes her and her brother come and pray to their great grandfather that passed away <laughs> like he's always watching you and she was like what yeah and <laughs> then like terrifying thing to yeah tell people. and then every time she went to masturbate she would just see her yeah. great grandfather there <laughs> watching her so funny that's like a really great illustration on how like inappropriately inappropriate and terrifying it is when you tell people they're always with you yeah it's like it's not a no no like no i don't know i don't want that and um i've heard that i think more now in my like wedding planning process than i had ever before like oh well she's with you oh well, she's with you and she's gonna be with you on that day she's gonna be with you bitch she'll probably trip me if there are some spirits or whatever she's gonna be there she's gonna be walking by the bitch is probably gonna trip me yeah literally and you know and she'll be laughing real great but if a ghost trips me while walking down the aisle it just looks i like i have two left feet and i can't walk (laughs) so like nobody's like oh look at the ghost of her mom she just tripped her while she was walking down the aisle how fun we can all laugh about this 
that gave me an idea. You know, like the movie Ghosts of Girlfriends Past or Ex-Girlfriends Past or whatever. Yeah. Ghosts of Dead Moms. Ghosts of Dead Moms. Yeah. Doing Ghosts of Dead Mom shit. Bringing you your lunch when you forget it. (laughs) Tripping you you on the sidewalk. (laughs) Yeah. And we could do a whole episode on all of the ridiculous things that people have said to us um, about grief and death and stuff like that. Um, I'm really curious to hear if anybody is actually listening to us right now. (laughs) I would be really curious to hear um, from those of you who do have these same kind of experiences. If you've heard something that we haven't mentioned that you find just super ridiculous, let us know. We want to hear about it. Yeah, Um, even if you could just relate to some dumb people or if you yeah. can relate to anything that you know in a more serious sense relating to anything that we've experienced um any any kind of grief is valid grief and we want to hear about it and we want to hear how you've learned to kind of take it head on or what you're doing to push it away what are you yeah. coping how are you how are you getting through this um and how could we be of help and support for you Definitely. And then on that same note, you know, if there are things that you have experienced or, you know, topics that you're curious about that you want us to talk about, let us know. We'll be happy to do it. If I got to do research on it, I'll do research on it. Um, Otherwise, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we are very willing to share our experience with the things that we've experienced um, and to discuss even the things with potential guests that we haven't personally experienced so we we want feedback we want to hear from our hopefully more than five listeners yeah and yeah so Mm -hmm. from here on out um every week or so we will release an episode where we have very honest raw and judgment-free conversations about life death and grief um sometimes just between the two of us and other times with guests who know grief personally or from a clinical perspective so yeah I think we have a lot of exciting things to come we are kind of just picking up with this idea and running with it and hopefully appreciated yeah (laughs) we don't know what we're doing (laughs) absolutely not so if you're (laughs) here for the pure entertainment uh that's cool too all for it All right, so I guess this is a good place to kind of just wrap it up. Um, Be on the lookout for our next episode and get ready to laugh, cry, and relate. Until next week, that's the Grief Freeze.